going to like an absolute sneezing fit. I've not got COVID. I'm just allergic to flowers. All right. <laughs> That's all right, mate. Um, my hay fever fucks me up every year. Oh, oh mate, mine, mine used to be fucking awful. It used to be terrible. Right. I, they couldn't come up with cures for God knows what, but no, we're still stuck with those tablets that don't actually work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or, or like you take the ridiculously strong ones and then you're just fucking laid out and you're, yeah. you're groggy. Yeah. I mean, I did hear that um, if you grew up in like a rural area like yourself, you should have local yeah. honey and it kind of like gives you the pollen. Yeah. That does actually work a little bit. Oh. That does work. Just a bit. I think it does help as well if you go from like a rural place and then you go into more built up areas. Like I think that's ha- that's why mine's not as bad because there's no pollen here to disturb me. Mm. So that's funny because I mean I grew up in a city, am I? Didn't I? So like, and it was still fucking awful in there. Oh Maybe really? All oh, right. Really allergic to flowers. Who knows? It might be yeah. Yeah, that or like grass or some shit. I don't fucking know. All right, brother. Um, I'll give you the um. The opportunity, I guess, to uh, explain who you are. Like, I actually, fun fact, I saw you in Lower years ago now. I can't remember how long ago this was. Um, I think you might have been judging. Wow, that would have been... That must have been like three, four years ago. Yeah, maybe. It was a, it was a decent while. Yeah, because if I was judging, if I was judging or loading, yeah, that would have been a, that would have been a good while ago. That would have been yeah. like three, four years ago. Did I still have? Did I still have dreads, or did I have an afro? No, no, no. Always had dreads. Yeah, that would that would have been like three, four years ago. Mm. That would have been like three, four years ago. I think. Damn, goes quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, super quick, man. Are you still? Um, are you still like training with lower or, or coaching there or anything? No, so that's where when I first moved to London, that's where I kind of like first started working and just so I wanted to start doing a little bit more stuff online and taking over that part. And Mike's, uh, the guy who runs it, his stuff is very much, he, he loves the in-person stuff. So he's done a really good job of, so how CrossFit's kind of like commercialized, I suppose, like commercialized, like the class aspect of training. He's managed to mirror that very, very, very well with his, with his system. Whereas I was going more towards like the online, like performance stuff. So I ended up like moving on from there. So now, um, I'm mostly based in a gym in Stratford and uh, built differently, but all of our stuff, like all of the Ronin strength stuff is online. So we're online first and then we do the in-person stuff second. So we don't really have a base as it were. Mm. The, uh, the built differently gym looks really cool. Looks like a really cool environment yeah. to train out of. It's, it's a fucking mental environment. It's one of the only places I've been where you have like the old school approach of anyone who's bodybuilding, anyone who's doing strongman stuff, anyone who's powerlifting or weightlifting, you all end up mixing yep. and talking to each other and training with each other because like, because of the way the space is set out, you do have like your almost separate areas for weightlifting and powerlifting and not bodybuilding stuff. But because you're so close, everyone ends up talking to each other and knowing each other. So that's like, that's probably, that's probably one of the best places I've been that's like kind of improving like strength, sport, culture, if mm. as it were, because it's mashing everything back together. Well, that's, that's the way it should be, right? And that's the OG way of doing it. Like, there's many ways to skin a cat and we're all in the, the craft of fitness, right? So everyone should be together rather than just like, no, you're a bodybuilder, you're a crossfitter, you're a weightlifter, like, go away sort of thing, go into your corners. Like, nah, there's always stuff you can learn. And hey, they're all human beings too. Just go say hello. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. That is exactly it. Um, I did train. I kind of trained out of... Um, 
uh, a bodybuilding gym when I first got into lifting, as in just resistance training, not weightlifting. <clears throat> um, when I was around about 12, 13, and that was, that was back up in Warrington. And that was very, very similar. Like everyone that would come in was either GPP just every day, obviously yeah. stepping on stage, greasing up. I'm like, you, you do you, man. Or people were coming in for like specific SNC for their spot. And everyone was yeah. just chatting to everyone, mate. And like, that was a really good introduction to, to the weight room. You know what I mean? You just, you just rock in. Mm. I'm like a fucking 12, 13 year old lad who probably weighs more than half the people in the gym. <laughs> Um, and they're just like, oh yeah, like do it this way sort of thing. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll try it that way. Cheers fella. And yeah, it's, it's funny how, how gyms have like reverted off that path and gone into their niche. Um, mm. I, hopefully everyone can just say like, we're all fucking working out. Like it's all the same shit. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, that is kind of where I think it's going back to. I think CrossFit has helped with that because you kind of do, you do end up having to do most stuff if you're actually doing crossfit in the way that you would do it for like the games of the open you have to do gymnastics you have to do weightlifting you have to do general strength stuff i think you even have to like do stuff like cycling running and swimming and like strongman implement stuff now yeah. so it's kind of combined all that together but i think the whole niche thing is definitely when like fitness started to become like a thing where it's like oh you can actually make a decent amount of money out of this so everyone was very quick to do the marketing and like okay this is my thing this is my specialty this is what i'm doing and then not to say that's wrong but then it's almost like they excluded everything else if you wanted to do something even slightly different then that wasn't that almost wasn't acceptable like the amount of my friends who ended up actually coming to lower because there were other crossfit gyms in london where when they said oh, i want to do a bit more weightlifting stuff so i'm not going to do quite as many metcons awards i'm just going to do one or two with you guys then do weightlifting separately they got treated weird because they wanted to do something a little bit more weightlifting based but they still want to do crossfit as well that wasn't allowed it's like you're either doing all the wads with us and drinking all the kool-aid or nothing yeah and then they end up coming across to us anyway so it's like it's one of those things where most people just want to do a bit of everything and they want to be, they want to spend some time getting good at weightlifting. Then that's enough. And then they'll go do some running. Then that's enough. They'll go do some gymnastics. Then that's enough. They'll go do powerlifting. And I think if you can kind of accommodate that, you're going to hold on to people for a long time. Yeah. hundred percent. And let's be honest. Like if you snatch once a week, your progress ain't going to be that great. Like it's a fucking <laughs> yeah. skill. Never mind about strength. Like weightlifting is a frigging skill. Like you need to mm. spend time doing the skill. And um, I think one of the best things about CrossFit gyms, which is going to be really weird and I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot here, is like when you don't coach CrossFit classes, when you coach specialty classes, because mm. everything's like, go, 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 we're doing everything, which is awesome and you can break down and teach the skill. But when you do the specialty classes, you literally turn around to CrossFitters, absolute mental CrossFitters that want to drive themselves in the ground and say, hey, we're not doing CrossFit right now. You might be in CrossFit, whatever. You might be in a gym that's like an affiliation. But nah, we're doing weightlifting, sit your ass down between sets. We're doing gymnastics, point your fucking toes. And you kind of like strip that down and then you can implement it back into a CrossFit class. And I think being able to have those speciality classes is really important for people to be able to see it because they're like, oh, okay. They take that CrossFit hat off and they're like, I'm a weightlifter now or I'm a gymnast now. Yeah. And then when they go back into those normal classes, they've got already got that in their mind of like, okay, I'm going to move the barbell like a weightlifter. I'm going to move on the yeah. rig like a gymnast, but I'm going to put myself in a fucking hole like a crossfitter. <laughs> I think that is, I think that is very much what, um, 
I can never remember his bloody last name. The guy who runs JST in Hull. Uh, uh, Stick for... Uh, yes, Fawcett. I can never remember the last name. Um, but his approach from what I've known from people who've like done his programme or from listening to him talk is very much like that. He was like, for the first like year or two, you're probably just going to be able to go and do your boxes programme, like the WOD, mm-hmm. because it'll have a strength piece, a gymnastics piece, or an Olympic lifting piece and a WOD, and you'll, you'll progress just fine. You'll really enjoy it. And then when you get to a point where it's like, right, that's not really progressing me anymore. I'm not getting any better scores. I'm not getting any stronger. Then, he's like, then you start to strip and separate everything mm-hmm. to then put it back together like a few times a week. And I think that's like, well, when you look at like some of the results he's got, like I think, um, oh, who is it? There's two of his guys. I can't remember what their names are, but they've gone from like a 140 cleaning jerk. Like, and it was, it looks hard. Like it looks, you know, when you get like turtle shelled, like it looks like that. And then now, like six months later, they're in there touching on 170. Yeah. Um, because I know that for a fact, he separates it out. Like he separates things out and he goes, okay, here's the skills that you're shit at or you really need to work at. We're separating them. You're just focusing on these. So for the, for the 45 minutes, here, you're just doing clean and jerks as a weightlifter. Just get better at those. Instead of it being like, you're going to do clean and jerks, you've got 10 minutes to work up to single, then you've got to do this Metcon, then you've got to do this what? Like, it's separated out. Mm. So then you're taking all of it apart to specialise and then shove it back together, which I think is a good, is a better way of doing it. Mm. Definitely. And definitely when you go in towards the performance side, the athlete side, the comp- co- uh, competition side, like if you're just on the GPP or health and fitness, or like you're just an everyday, like kind of just want to get in, get out. I do believe the CrossFit model fucking works. Like just get in, do the fucking one hour, go home. But if you're like, nah, I'm going to like adapt my lifestyle to improve my performance. Yeah, we we need to start fucking around with separating things and then start thinking about, hey, like think of it as a skill. Like, right, rowing is a skill. You've got to play a little bit of time with the rowing swimming is a skill so is weightlifting so is gymnastics everyone's just like nah like it's just throwing a barbell above me just get me hyped up man i'm like oh god okay <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into how did, how did you get into weightlifting um so for me it was probably at bedford Blees academy i think so i must have been about like 17 um I basically knew how to do like power cleans a little bit. I taught myself a bit of it and didn't really know anything about like power snatches or anything because there wasn't really anything around at that time, like on YouTube or like wherever. So the coach there, who's actually, I think he's a strength and conditioning coach. He went to Gloucester. I think he's back in bed for now called Jamie Bain. He basically took all the academy lads, got us together and went, right. So I don't have a lot of time because I've got to manage all of you in the seniors. So I'm going to show you how to do these lifts. It's just going to be five lifts that I'm going to get you to do for the program. I think it was power snatch, power clean, um, then back squat bench and like how to do RDLs. That was it. Anyway, I'm going to show it, show it to all of you. Watch each other so you know what how to correct each other so you don't fuck it up so I don't have to show it to you again. And he just showed me like how to go a bar for a snatch. I was keeping a mile away from me. So he went, just, just keep it in your hip. Like, like you're going to touch it on your hip and then just jump. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Jump and punch and then see if you can jump, punch and then squat down quickly. And he was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's brilliant. And he's like, okay, here's all your programs out. And he's like, you can do, I think he just said to me, you can do full cleans and full snatches if you want because your mobility is good enough. And then I kind of did a bit of it from then. I thought it was fun. And then after the academy kind of finished and we all kind of went to different senior clubs, I didn't have any guidance to SNC anymore because obviously didn't have access to him. So I started um, looking around the web and there was one article by a guy called Lou DeMarco, who I found out recently, he's like basically one of the best coaches in America ever for weightlifting. And he just had this little article being like, oh, here's what I did to that weightlifting for my American football team. Um, in a small college that he used to coach at. So I said, oh, could I have the programs if you still have it to hand? 
he sent it to me and then every now and again he'd say like oh how are you getting on how's like the technique coming along how are you getting on the lifting and i'd send him the odd video you know back when it took like an hour to upload it i think to an email yeah. he'd look at him and be like oh just you know just try and like keep your wrist a bit straighter try and like keep your butt down a little bit try this do it try that or oh, try this exercise you might like it and i just kind of progressed more and more to there to the point where lower started doing their in their open series and yeah. someone said there's an open comp you don't have to have a membership you can sign up online you should do it so I did that. Mike then said, you should do another one of these and do a proper comp. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I will eventually. Um, did another open comp. And then he said, oh, like, should we talk about you maybe doing a comp this year? Like, I'll help you. And I said, yeah, like, I'll think about it. And then he just messaged me one day being like, oh, are you free on this weekend to come and train? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll put it in my diary. I can. He messaged me back like two days later being like, you owe me 30 quid. I've entered you in a comp. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, what do I need? And he went, you need to get a singlet. So I got like the classic, like, you know, budget strength shop singlet everyone gets yeah. on their first comp. And then I think I got started that way. And since then, like I kind of, it wasn't a straight transition. I went from playing rugby at the highest level I could to trying to play rugby at basically a level I thought I'll still enjoy this. And then it's not as hard as it was before. And basically started doing weightlifting and rugby together just because I enjoyed it. And then eventually I started playing rugby less and less and then doing more and more weightlifting and slowly just transferred over and over and over until it was just a point where I was like, oh fuck, I'm just a weightlifter now because I didn't really plan for it to stop rugby. But all of a sudden I just changed. I think that transition probably happened when I was like, I reckon I probably transitioned fully over when I was like probably like 22, 23, like where I went, okay, Leah, I'm just weightlifting now. Wow. Like what was, what was juggling ruggers and uh, weightlifting like? Cause that is two opposing fucking sports. <laughs> Um, when it was union, so 15s, then I had sevens in the summer. It's fucking awful because I don't like playing in the winter at the best of times. So doing pre-season and lifting then was, was fine. It wasn't that bad. Playing union, because I used to play, I managed to get myself and escape the front row and go to like flanker or centre. And that was like, just some of the leagues that we played in were just fucking hard. So like doing the weightlifting stuff was fun. Um, but like I was still doing it like, oh, I just like doing some S&C stuff. But realistically, I didn't need to get any stronger for rugby. I just enjoyed doing it. So it didn't really matter too much. When I went to rugby league in sevens only, that was when like, because I had like basically half a year not playing rugby and no contact, I could still train just as hard then as when like I didn't have any rugby on. So I think like some of my better best numbers on Olympic lifts overlapped with when I was still doing rugby at the same time because... I don't know. I think because of sevens in league, I just recovered a bit better from that. So like it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable with how much work I'm doing now, but in terms of the training, I found it was all right, actually. Oh, decent. Are you, you're, you're a pretty mobile lad though, aren't you? Like naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think I managed to hold on to it and improve it. Whereas most people like the longer and longer they play, they just get stiffer and stiffer and stiffer and stiffer and more yeah. stuff starts to lock up. <laughs> <laughs> you see someone come in and they're like, Oh, I've played rugby for the past 10 years. And they like, their overhead squat looks like a bench press. Oh man, like I'm, I'm already assuming that like their squat's going to look like they're trying to sh like look up their own ass like when they first try an overhead squat. I'm like, I'm going to assume that there's going to be some things to fix here. It, it's <laughs> funny because as soon as I, I, when I got, I came into weightlifting through CrossFit, right? And I came in through that um, and I'd played rugby for like five, six years tops. Um, and then came into that and literally mine was exactly the same. Like I couldn't squat anywhere, but anywhere near parallel, my fucking overhead squat was basically a bench press. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I can't remember. I don't think I had to do that much. I think it's probably because by the time I started playing senior rugby, where it's like more contact heavy, 
Mm. Like I think I'd basically already learnt overhead squat and front squat and all that stuff then, so my mobility was pretty much fine from that. Yeah, definitely by doing all those things, it's gonna it's gonna keep you pretty mobile. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so what? How many how many competitions have you end up um going into? Um. must be it must be close to 20 ish i think like if you count oh, all the, the like the lower invitational comps and then stuff like all like the different like you know normal kind of like domestic comps and then like nationals and stuff i think but i'm not sure on the exact number i haven't actually counted that but i think it's around 20 and it's uh you are you in the 89s i was 89 as soon as they said that's basically not really a weight class yeah for most international comps we all get pushed to 96 so most of us are going for like Commonwealth Games next year. But the issue with that is they don't have, they've done Olympic classes. So all of us who wear 89 have had to go, are we cutting to 81 or are we going up? So I've just, I've just gone up. So I've cut to 85 once and that was like the most awful thing. Like I hated it. it going up to 96? Yeah. I mean, cause I, the thing is I used to weigh like, so around 95 to 100 when I played rugby. So then I came down to 94 yeah. and then I think at one stage it's like, oh, you could do quite well. And this is like one of the decisions me and Mike made when I was first. <clears throat> cutting down so you could do quite well at 85 so I was like I cut 25 awful and then that was when they announced we're going to have an 89 class and that was like bang on where I could sit fairly comfortably and do quite well mm. so if that class comes back in competitions and I'll probably I'll probably do that to be honest mm. I don't like it when they strip it and then they, you've got to go massive jumps like it's mm. it's, too, it's too much especially for people that sit right in the middle like bulking up is is a big ask but cutting down is an even bigger ask yeah, like as well, I think like for most for most people who are going to take up weightlifting from from countries where it's not the main sport, so like not in China, not in Japan, um, you know, not going into Russia and stuff, where you, well, even where you just have like more athletes to select from, what you're going to find is that I personally think that around 85 to 90 kilos is where like most like British blokes will sit if they train quite well, whereas to go up to 96, like, you're really having to do a job to put on a fucking slab to be able to get up to that body weight. And mm. even if you do it and you're fairly lean, it's not comfortable. Like I'm quite lucky that I'm built quite wide and I will naturally sit at about 94, 95 and I feel fine. Whereas if I go to a hundred, that's when like resting heart rate goes up. I feel mm. shit. Like I have to stretch more just so that I can then sit in, like actually warm up for a session. I feel more tired in between mm. sessions. I can't do as much volume, but like I know people who feel like that if they get to like 92, 93 kilos, but they're the ones who are being told, oh, you've either got to go 96 or you've got to go 81. So it's like either way what you did when you played wing in college or you've got to go up to 96 where you have no business being. So it's like that. It's that hard choice where I know a few people have basically just gone, I'm probably not going to do this. I'm not going to go for this this Commonwealth Games. I'm going to go for the next one or I'm just going to call it quits on on trying to go because they're just like, oh, well, there's, there's no option. Mm. It's like my brother, like he's a he's a powerlifter and he's like pretty much the same height as me and I'm five ten. He may might mm. be like half an inch shorter than me or something like that. And he sits super light. Like he has to bulk to eighty kilos. You know yeah. what I mean? But he'll pull like two twenty off the floor like it's fucking nothing. And I'm just like, How the fuck can you weigh that and do that? You know what I mean? Like, if yeah. I weighed that, I don't think I'd have the energy to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Oh, it's, it is yeah, funny. It's, like, it's, it's, it's a different body types. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Fuck it is. And then you do see people that would just naturally walk around at 110. And they don't have to look at a weight. 
Oh, mate, I, I, honestly, I think um, one of the guys that I compete with, um, uh, Dave, he, he's like in the, the 10, well, he's like a 109 really, but if he doesn't train, or then he doesn't actually do like, he doesn't lift, he just shoots straight down to like 100. And it's not even like it's that difficult. Like he's, he just always sits like around 100, 105, 100, 105. And he doesn't cut or anything. Like he'll, if he's going into the 102s, he'll cut a week out and he'll go like, right, I just won't drink as much and I won't eat as much food. And then he'll just <laughs> turn up on the day weighing 101, 101.5. Like that, that easily, which is just it's frustrating. <laughs> so everyone else is like, all right, I'll start my cut. It's twelve weeks out. I'll have to start cutting now. Whereas he's literally like a week before. He's like, right, right, yeah, better keep an eye on that. Yeah, just make sure I don't go too far over. <laughs> I get a medium milkshake rather than an extra large. Li- yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> it's fucking mental, mate. Like, and uh, it's really interesting when you when you get to coaching it. Right, it's annoying. Like competing next to it because you're like fuck you i've got a i've got a cut but it's really interesting coaching it like how many how many people do you do you focus more on the performance side do you go more the gpp or do you go fuck it i'm gonna help everyone so we we try and have a have a case where there is a pathway to help everyone it's the case of like hey you're doing this as a sport you're joining a team we want it to be so that like you can you can actually have the whole pathway so the only thing we haven't really done previously is we've not developed that many internationals which is what we're trying to do now but we have developed people from like people who've never lifted before who haven't got any sport background to people who are got a really good sport background they've been doing crossfit a bit now they want to transfer over but the idea is it should be like a rugby club where you've got eventually when we get back to the gym some kind of age groups then you've got like if you look at it on like a rugby team you'd have first seconds thirds and vets for example so we have like a case of like there's some people who will be able to push for medals at nationals there's some people who might be able to qualify for an international in the next couple of years and there's some people who are like they just want to qualify for nationals they want to kind of like get get to that get to that like national level then we have some of our masters who will be able to get to masters nationals maybe masters euros and then we have a group of people who they're literally just learning to lift like they've got their first barbell they're learning to lift in lockdown now so we just try to make it where with the amount of coaches we have each person almost has like their their stage that they take over so everyone knows how to coach everyone from each section but like for example like Ian is um a guy who basically handles a lot of the masters and all the beginners and the kids because he's very very good and he's very experienced with developing people and he's a master himself like he started learning to Olympic lifts when he was like 34 35 so he did S&C through rugby and then he started learning to Olympic lift quite late on if I remember it right so we just try to have that pathway so you can start with us as a beginner and hopefully you would then end your career with us when whenever that is having totaled the highest thing you're ever going to total that's awesome. That's that's absolutely awesome. Like, what what made you get into that? What made you want to start? Did you you started running, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So i I probably started online coaching again. So I used to um I remember it was back when me and one of my mates Tom opened our first gym, which he still has now in bed. Well, it's just outside of Bedford called Tribe Strength. And it was a case then he kept telling me like because like there'd be like random stuff where like the conversation had come up where like we'd be doing DIY to get the place ready, and I'd be doing stuff like the paperwork legislation, like safeguarding policies, making websites and like starting up the programming system. And he'd be like, you should do this as part of a job. Like you should do programming or do this online stuff for other people. I was like, I don't want to, like, I got, like, like it's boring. I kept saying, oh, it's boring. I like coaching in person. Mm-hmm. And then more people who let's say would come to the gym and then leave would ask for it. Mm-hmm. And I was the only going to do it. So I'd keep doing more online programming. And as I moved on from there and came down here, there was a few people who were like, oh, well, we still want to get weightlifting coaching for you. So then they'd stick with me. And then the more and more I'd pick people up, like naturally, you know, you get someone who like moves countries to go try to go work somewhere else. Then I'd hold on to them, and it just picked up and picked up to the point where it was like I can't just be that guy who's a PT who happens to do online training anymore. 
I need to be an online coach. But it's like, but this is going to get busy enough where it's not just going to be me. So the guy who kind of like helps me like with business mentoring stuff said like, you need to scale this because you're going to get really busy soon. And then what are you going to do if people only can come to you? And then that's when I started the Roan like Roan Strength because I was also wanting not just to create a service where it's like, right, so I can have a business off of this where it's not just me having to do the work, but also like a lot of my friends who were coaches who I thought you're good and you, I would actually work with you were in jobs or like fitness or in situations in the fitness industry where they like, they're running okay cash, but it wasn't a great environment. So I wanted to create an environment where the coaches also get paid fairly decently and are actually treated well and, you know, get compensated for the time as well. Mm. So that was the whole thing. It's like supposed to be a pathway for hopefully eventually coaches with mentorship stuff there. And then a pathway beware because there's enough of us, you create a pathway for the clients as well. Do you, um, do you offer in person too, uh, built differently or is that like a different? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we offer in person at built differently. That's like our, that's like our main place really. Yeah. That's like the most popular places that everyone wants to go there. And then there's um, another place where we started very recently before lockdown in Stratford. And that was a case of just trying to spread it so that people who can't get to built differently, can go to Stratford people who can't go to Stratford can go to somewhere else to just create more and more opportunities for the coaches as well because like we run a few evenings that built differently but then we've got more than two coaches so then we need another place for everyone to coach so that's kind of what we did but we very much sold it as we're online first because then that means there's no barrier for you to work with us so you don't feel like if you can't work us with uh, work with us in person then it's like oh well now I can only do online it's like no you get your programming online so we get to see all of your training every week then if you want to do it in person you can but you don't have to pay to come in as like a minimum, if that makes sense. So like everyone pays 70 pound a month and it's a case of it's 70 pound a month. You get all of your coaching. If you want to come in person to train as well, then you pay on top, but it's not like, um, cause you know, like some CrossFit gyms will be like, if you want the personalized programming and PT and unlimited gym access, it's like 200 quid. Like we were like, well, the most important part is you having a personalized training program and a coach to make you accountable. So let's just do that bit first and then add the rest on top. Mm. So what was like some barriers that you ended up like facing when when you were like hey i'm gonna go full-blown online because it, um, it's tough right yeah i think i was in england and not like i always try and figure out how to watch i always struggle to word it in a way where it's like i'm not being rude about people but there's not really that many people who were doing like we are an online coaching business like if you go and um, look up let's say like some american brands or even like some brands in like around like your neck of the woods australia new zealand there's some brands that you'll know where like, I know I can go and get a program off of them. So like if I'm in America, California strength, Waxman's gym, um, uh, juggernaut training systems, like I, you can reel off a bunch of places where it's like, I know I can go to them and get a decent powerlifting, weightlifting or strongman program. Um, if you want CrossFit programs, literally any box of any um, a CrossFit athlete you like, you can go and get an online program from them. Mm. Whereas here in England, like it's a case of there's a lot of brilliant coaches, whether it's like more new, new new school ones who are kind of like probably around like our age or whether it's like some of the old school ones who are like let's say like Giles Greenwood and Andy Callard who were Commonwealth if I've got it right like Commonwealth Games winners they went to Worlds for Britain they were some of our best lifters um our George Manners went to the Olympics back when um it was still the three lifts not the two when it was clean and press snatch and clean and jerk and you can't find them online you can't go and get a program from them mostly because some of them they've never needed to do that but also because that's not what they want to do but when I started, I thought, oh, it's going to be quite difficult. Like, I don't want to take on too many coaches too soon because it's going to be really difficult. But as soon as I started advertising, because because we started probably about three or four months before lockdown, we started getting more people in because they were like, oh, there's actually a programming option. I can get some solid support. Um, they'd see the content we put out online. So we had a steady drip of people. But then once lockdown started, 
I know that a lot of people who are who are a bit more old, like traditionally minded in England, don't believe in on, don't believe in online coaching. So we were some of the only people who did it. Mm. So I think that's kind of where we were just lucky with our timing. Lockdown happened, and we managed to survive it because we're one of the only places who did weightlifting coaching that included the strength and conditioning portion. So when people are like, I don't have a bar at the moment, it's like that doesn't matter. We can still help you. So then people kept on coming in because it's one of the only places you could go. Like there's a thing. As far as companies go in England, I think the only ones I know of in London are um, us, London Strength, which is one of my friends, Christian, and uh, Omar, uh, Mike at Lower, obviously, because he runs his stuff online. And um, a guy called Alex Adams, who runs something called, uh, what's he called his company? Uh, Standfast. He was one of the people who did online coaching for a while, but then branded up. So there's a few places, but there's not loads that have been like... Um, that have been going for a while. I think that's where where our stre- where we kind of got lucky. Yeah, there's definitely a gap in the market, and you know the the last year has has highlighted that. Um, you get a lot of you know uh, booty builder online PT, but for the online weightlifting, more strength sport, there's not so much. You do have to dig yeah. a little bit deeper, or you have to go, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna purchase a program from America which is, you know, sound, which is good. Like I've, I've played around with uh, the cow strength before and I like it, like it's good stuff. Um, but if you want a little bit more closer to the home and you don't have the, uh, you know, the time zone problems, then yeah, definitely like Britain, apart from you guys, I've not seen anything else. Yeah. But obviously there's a couple more in London, but there's not, there's not a lot. Yeah. I think that's also because I think some people seem to have like this idea that coaching and weightlifting isn't going to be a full-time job unless you're doing it alongside CrossFit or unless you're doing something else on top of it. So like it's an add-on, whereas actually it's like, well, a lot of people think that, but there's a lot of people who want to get good at weightlifting, whether it's for CrossFit, just because they love training that way or because they want to compete. So it's one of those things where it's like, if you just jump on this and you're one of the first people to do it, you're probably going to earn a decent amount of cash. There's some people I know who earn quite a bit from doing stuff online. They don't advertise because why do they need to? Because they're one of the only people to do it. So they charge what they want and then they that's that's all they need to do they don't need to advertise they don't need to reach out any further so then it's almost like there are people who do it but you don't see the examples whereas like in america you can you can go and look at cal strength's website look at their program and get a free sample and you can have a very good impression of okay so i kind of understand how you're going to write a program to fit for a bunch of individuals doing it online that i'm not really going to see that much and i know how to write it so that it looks like a solid business like you can get a feel for how it's supposed to go whereas well, in england there isn't as much of that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. The market isn't as uh, isn't as crowded. Um, plus, like going back to your point of like people wanting to get do weightlifting and get better at weightlifting for CrossFit. You and I both know the benefits of doing weightlifting for sport. Never mind, like yeah, granted, CrossFit is now a sport, but we'll, we'll mm. go the more traditional sports: rugby, football, hockey, all that sort of stuff. Like, I would love to see in a not so not so distant future there being programs for the youth for academies for kids to go through their sport to get better at their sport but by implementing the olympic lifts in their in their training yeah and i think that's just like i know that our background is probably because we went to gyms where we got shown to you a bunch of different things is kind of that's what they do in that's what they do like if you talk to anyone who's ever been to china for the weightlifting program or has gone to america or has gone to once we've heard of like the way the Soviets used to run their system, like you end up doing lots of different lifts and lots of different strength conditioning work when you're younger, 
so that then it's almost like you're ready for whatever sport you choose because you've almost taken the benefits of each of them and you, and and gotten it. So you're doing a bit of weightlifting stuff and strongman strongman stuff and gymnastics and you know mobility work and then you know conditioning. So it's like you're gonna be you're gonna be balanced enough to go into whatever sport you choose, whatever sport your your country chooses for you. Mm. And I think that's what we miss out in England. Like England has very much gone down almost like more of an American where it's like, oh right, so you're really good at rugby or you're really good at football. Well, football's the worst, but you're really good at football. Okay, well you're on a contract now, you're eight, but mm. we think you're gonna be really good when you're 18. So we'll put you on contract now and you're just gonna do football. Like that's the prime example. Then a lot of those kids burn out and you never see them again. Whereas you'll have someone who's like um, Jamie Vardy, just played, did whatever, was in like his fifth team at university, then randomly got a contract when he was older, probably because he played a bunch of sports when he was younger and then was allowed to develop. I don't know if he did any gym stuff, but I'm guessing just having a bit more of a well-rounded gradual development probably helped a bit more. And also for injury prevention, man, like how many people do you go to school with or an academy with or whatever and you're just like, this kid is gifted, like can grace any sport and would be able to be a professional in any sport and yet they get injured and it absolutely breaks them and they will never recover from it like get get them training <laughs> yeah and the injury prevention it's going to sort them out okay, yeah like, I think people don't really understand like how like you can have it where like you're especially like with footballers like, one of our friends um, James he's um He's probably actually a good person that you'd like and that a lot of people listening to this work out. His name's JR underscore athletes head on Instagram. But he's told me stories about he'll be coaching like a premiership footballer, like or like someone who's like they're be they're 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 going up the leagues quick and they can't and they can jump like their their counter movement jump into the air will be like 35, 40 inches and their sprint times will be absolutely ridiculous. They can't trap bar dead they're 50 kilos off the floor, like with good form. Like and he's like he's like it's like it's astounding, but this is why like if people could understand like the elasticity strength deficit this person has, they'd understand why they get injured, like why they go to take a cut and then like they randomly blow out an MCL or an ACL because it's like they've got literally the ability to put so much force through them, through their body, but their body doesn't have the actual capacity to, to, to hold it. So then that's why it just all of a sudden goes. Mm. But then you mm. get the opposite where it's like, um, was it uh, uh, Torres for Chelsea? Like I remember, I think, I can't remember what game I was watching. I remember like seeing highlights of him one year at the end of the season and the next season I just remember watching this absolutely massive bloke just skying balls into like Rose Z and I was like who is that and it was Torres and he, he, like, he looked like he bulked up by about a stone he looked like brilliant but it was literally like you have done that too quickly <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> have you had a, have you had some aid doing that fella like you've been out for four weeks and you look like you've doubled in size it just, it just reminded me of like, you know, when um you'll be like going into like sit form like last few years of college and then like there's like one person who's like just starting to hit puberty but they go gym over summer and they come back and everyone's literally just like, oh my God, what's going on there? Yeah, we it's had like a fella. Never gone gym before. We had a fellow who must have been like two years, two years above me, right? And um, he started, he was knocking on maybe north of England rugby or whatever. He was a decent rugby player. He wasn't the best, but he was, he was a fucking good rugby player. And he came back after six weeks and no word of a lie, he must have put on 20 kilos. Like, absolutely. Like, couldn't touch his elbows together. Was, like, walking around like he's carrying carpets. Like, absolutely yoked. And you just look at him, you're like, hold on a minute. What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, I think some of us used to joke about stuff like that. There was one kid who, I think, actually got popped at a... I think it's like a Midlands trial and it was like the stage before you went from Midlands into the England trial bit. And like, 
everyone basically jokes about this kid being like, if anyone's on gear, it's definitely him. And everyone's joking, being like, oh, no, he's just been training for so long. He used to train at, like, a few bodybuilding gyms that had, like, that reputation. But everyone was like, he's been that size since he was, like, 12. Like, he's not gotten that much bigger. Same as, like, we had um, uh, a guy that I used to play with called Curtis, and he, like, came in and he weighed, like, he was, like, 115 kilos when we were 16, 17. And everyone was like, oh, like, what do you deadlift and what can you squat? And he was like, oh, I don't know, really. And, like, everyone just thought that he just didn't really go heavy. But when we went to the gym, he literally couldn't do any of the lifts. So, like, we were just like, how, how have you got this big? And it turned out that he worked on a farm. So he did, like, a lot of, like, labour stuff. But then this kid got popped and everyone was like, that was the first experience we had where, one, we'd seen a drug tester. And, two, we'd seen, like, okay, this is what happens when you go gym. This is what happens when you do the extra stuff. Yeah. But this bloke was literally, like, he's, like, 20 stone and he, like, had abs. So everyone was like, but this is when we were, like, 17. So obviously everyone's, like, looking at him, like, Wow, that's mad. <laughs> yeah, and you don't... Just thinking, you, oh, yeah, I'll do the same gym program as him. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just go gym with him and it'll be fine. I'll, I'll get the same size. Yeah, <laughs> you don't second guess it, do you? You're just like, oh, wow, like, you must have trained hard in the summer. You know what I mean? Rather than just be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, like, what <laughs> what, what if you had for a little bit of aid? Oh, 100%, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, where... Where's your vision going with Ronin? Like, where do you want to take this? Um, me personally, I would just like it if we'd have it where all of our coaches would have the option to be able to be completely full-time and employed, where they're making like a decent living, where they'd be able to be coaches for like the next, realistically, until they don't want to coach anymore. So it's not a case of they end up getting to like the early to mid thirties and then they just do what a lot of guys I know do and they, they tap out and they go do another job. I want them to be able to do it for as long as possible because I think that's what's, one thing that, um, again, the guy that I used to in the gym in Bedford with Tom taught me was like, staff turnover kills a lot of businesses because you want that familiarity. You want those same faces. You want your staff to develop together and be a team. And if you have too much staff turnover, it just turns into a pure gym or the gym group where a new PT comes in and out every month and you just don't really have that. You don't really have that cohesiveness with your team. So I'd like it where the coaches can earn basically a good living out of and be set after they stop. Um, in terms of the coaching staff, the path we're doing at the moment we've got the right structure in place in terms of we want to be able to develop, develop kids. We want to be able to develop like younger people. We want to be able to do strength and conditioning for them and then develop them into hopefully being able to just reach whatever potential it is they're going to have, whether it's, they just want to medal at nationals. That's as far as they're going to go or whether they want to medal at Euros, if that's as far as they could go, they want to go to Commonwealth Games and get gold. And that's where they want to go. I just want to be able to make the most complete pathway possible. So it's a case of, it'd be like, it's it's like trying to look at like the rugby academy or the local football club in your area and you know that they're mustard you know if you get to the academy there and you can stick it out you're going to be good and that's what i want it to be for both the coaches and also for the people coming on board mm. and eventually mentorship stuff for coaches and for basically for i think this is the thing we'll probably get going sooner is the mentorship for coaches to help other coaches develop their skills so that they see that you can make a living from weightlifting as well and teach them how to do that better and then um mentorship for getting people who want to get into coaching and weightlifting who don't have the money to do so because weightlifting is a really weird sport in um like in other countries it's a poor person sport where basically it's like you've got no other option you don't have a lot of money you're going to do weightlifting or boxing that's a, that's essentially it like i think um one of my old clients was from egypt and that's what she basically said like Mohammed ehab like um the main he was the main lifter in egypt he was like it's it initially started as a poor person sport like Mohammed ehab's like the superstar who's kind of changing it but it's not a very, very like money-driven sport. Whereas in England, <laughs> CrossFit and weightlifting is a very money-driven sport. So it's hard to get into it. Like if you're looking at a qualification, let's say you want to work at, 
in certain conditioning, you might be looking at a university degree and getting your like um you know your NVQ or Rex or you know your Premier Global NASAM qualification before you start. So you're already going to be like thirty like thirty thirty five grand in the hole in debt before you even start. So I'd want to help people who really want to get into it but they don't have any money. That would be that's the next thing we're looking at. That's mega, man, and I think I think that is a huge problem like it's we do i mean especially in britain you live in a pay-to-play society right where it's yeah. like everyone can progress and do what you want to do but you need like the world behind you in in terms of finances mm. um and even even going back to the whole ladder system with your athletes to come through that's going to help kids that might end up being on the street you know what i mean might yeah. end up going down a going down a wrong path for a few years or might end up seeing the inside of a cell or whatever it's like hey come in, throw Bible around, learn how to, to move it well, learn how to respect it, learn how to develop a bit of discipline. Like, I, I know for a fact, like, fucking sport ended up saving me, mate. And and what what better than the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it will help you with whatever the sport you're going towards in terms of learning discipline, learning how to train. But I think it was the same for me. Like, I think when I was younger, like I did, I think I started off like doing sports sort of like skateboarding, like BMX and, st- and like stuff like that and parkour and different things. And then when I got into rugby, it was a sport that I kind of actually understood and it helped me to like make more friends, be like less socially awkward and like learn that like you can train for something. There's other things to aim for. And my dad will like literally just like, he'll absolutely shout about it. And so like rugby, when it came to the point where it was like, I realised that you could do it for a job or there was st- such things professional sports because like, that was the making of me. But that was when I started to actually be able to take directions, be more independent, to take responsibility for things. So I think with weightlifting, I'd like that to be the same thing, like, and show that, like, it's not just about being an athlete. Like, if you can coach or you can be representative for the sport or you can do, you can be a manager within the sport, there's loads of different things you can do within it to have a positive impact mm. for you, on yourself and, and for other people. So I think that would be the thing. And, well, hopefully just have a small part in growing well the biggest part we can in growing weightlifting in Britain as well because it's growing but it still needs to go across that threshold to be where it is in like America where like it looks like it's pretty much a profitable sport where people can get stipends for training at certain levels and stuff Hmm. yeah and it's uh, it's widespread over there for athletic development and it like they all the kids know how or know what a power clean is and a power snatch or even if it's a hang power snatch or whatever but in the UK like even if you'd have come to me when I was training and be like, oh, what's a power clean? I'd be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. You know what I mean, never heard of it, never whatever, just training in the back back alley, sort of gyms, dirty, gringy sort of stuff. Um, so it would be really cool to to bring that in. And like you said, it isn't it isn't expensive. Like you get a crappy barbell and a couple of shit plates, like it's not it's not that expensive. Yeah, it's like it's that whole thing of like it's the general <clears throat> and stuff like it's changing like in terms of like even like a league have now got like their um their like online shop where you can choose like financing options. Like if you actually think if you get like a a train a training hall set of like one hundred sixty kilos with the fractionals, I think you're probably looking at like three to four grand like to like for the whole thing. But if you spread that out over the next like few like ten years of which you'll be able to use it. I reckon then it's going to probably cost you a bit less than your gym membership and you're going to have more access to it. Like there's, it it is affordable. It's just kind of like trying to work. It's trying to work your money in a way that's going to make it so that you can get access to it. Mm. And like those, those barbells, those illegal barbells will last you a lifetime. 
Like yeah. if you're not just like leaving it out in the cold and the rain and throwing it around like it's, you know, it's nothing, then it will last you a lifetime. The plates might chip and wear away and whatever, but the barbell, they're so good, man. Yeah. They're fucking yeah, I think good. I've had, I think my friend Dave from, he's actually, he actually works in Manchester, funny enough, like he, he sold me my first Alico barbell and he, I think, bought it. It was an ex-demo bar that had been basically doing a circuit. It was one of those like Russian spin lock ones and he sold it to me because I was like basically like trying to get a bar like around Christmas time, I think like five, six years ago. And still what like, I don't maintain it properly. Like I'll say that now, like I don't take it open. I don't like grease the inside of it. I don't do rust it. Still works absolutely fine. It's not a fucking spec on it. It's not bent. Nothing's not worn down. Like they last a very long time. And most bars, I think from that, from, from like those kind of like caliber of companies, if you maintain them, you should really, you should be able to maybe hand it on to the person who's going to be training after you in your family. They should be able to use it. For, they'll probably be able to use it for a bit. It's uh, it's justifying the expense in it for a lot of people. And, and yeah. um, what I'd, what I'd love to see is like small gyms, institutes, whatever athletic development centers, like even in the shit area of towns where it's like, Hey, you can come in and pay literally hardly any money, like maybe a dinner, a dinner time pie or whatever, and come in and train and you're still getting that, that um, high level of coaching. The problem there is like, we would, you would need like a uh, subsidy from the government to help it run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's either that or like you have to, you'd have to turn such a profit with like the other part of your business that you could then afford to charge like, you know, a nominal fee or maybe even like, you know, make a, make, make a bit of a loss so that you're not hemorrhaging money because of that, because of that part of the business. Mm. But that is like what a lot of places do. Cause like getting, getting some funding from like the government, like it's not, it's not the easiest thing in the world, what you have to do to go through it. So I think some companies do go, when they do charitable stuff, they will just give money to like private organizations to do it. Or they'll just go like, we'll just do this ourselves and we'll fund it because it's just, it's just more straightforward, especially because you can do exactly what you want and you can give yeah. to exactly the people you want to, which yeah. can sometimes also be a massive, massive bonus as well. Yeah, in the UK, you need to sell your fucking soul to get um, government funding or even council, like, permission, never mind funding. Oh, like, <laughs> it's, pain, mate, it's painful. But, like, it I think... It's absolutely painful. I think it starts with the likes of yourselves, like, creating these things where it shows benefit, you know what I mean? And having a conversation yeah. like we're doing now, but, like, creating those things, I'm like, hey, this is what we're doing. These are the people that have, have benefited from it. These, these are the things that we've got. This is the structure that we have. This is the structure that we have for coaching, for kids. And then I think, hopefully, fingers crossed, it will bleed off into other places. You know, there'll be other yeah. companies that will jump up and be like, yeah, we'll provide something similar in Glasgow or whatever. And then, you know, councils will hop on board and say, oh, what, you need an extra grand a month for the Alecky bills? All right, no problem. Like, we'll, we'll help you out because you're taking, you know, crime's gone down or whatever. Like you're taking kids off the street and there's less yeah. bloody asbols and uh, show me age. There's no longer asbols, but you know what I mean? Oh, oh are they not? What are they called now? Nah, I think they got rid of them, mate. Cause they, they, they brought them in for like two years and they didn't work. What are you mm. going to do? Tell, tell a kid who already commits crime, right? Who doesn't give a fuck about the consequence that he has a curfew and you're going to slap him on the wrist. He's not going to give a shit. So yeah, they don't work. Yeah, I true. think they got rid of him. I think they, it's just like juvie and a bit of community service. Mm. But I don't know. Who, who knows? 
Right, mate. Thank you very much. That's all right, mate. I really appreciate your right, time. No, it's, good, it's, no, it's really good to be. It's really good to be on. Mate, you can come on whenever you want, lad. Like uh, I always, uh, always enjoy having a conversation. And like I said uh, before, we click the button. Like it's all about just learning from people. And uh, um, I guess um, one of the reasons why I like doing this as well is everything starts with a conversation. Everything starts with a discussion. And if you can iron out a couple of creases or like spark a couple of light bulbs in, in people's minds just by having a conversation, then, you know, we, the whole fitness industry benefits um, and then it bleeds off into everywhere, everywhere else. Right. Because everyone's, you know, struggling mentally, struggling physically, you know, as a, as a human race, we're getting fucking fatter. We're getting, you know, tougher up, upstairs. Like we're dealing with a lot of things mentally, especially with, with the whole COVID situation. Um, and it all starts with a fucking discussion, right? So if someone can hear, oh, that's a really cool idea or that's, that'd be awesome. I'm going to like pop into Built Differently or have a little look on Ronin and pick up a Bible for the first time. It's going to help them, you know? Yeah, 100% mate, I agree. Well, do you want to shout out some some shit for yourself? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So if you want to find me, best place is Instagram, just at k.speed on Instagram. So it's k-d-o-t speed, all lowercase, no space. Um, for the Ronin page, if you want to find out some more information about us, you can either just message me directly or you can go to our website. It's just roninstrength.co.uk. Those, those are the best places to go to come and find us. Perfect. Absolutely spot on, mate. Mate, uh, really appreciate your time. Cool. Thanks for having me on, mate. Thank you. Legend. Have a, uh, is it a Sunday? No, Saturday. Have a good Saturday. Yes, you as well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, Saturday's been, I'm in Sunday. All right, peace. Bit, Thanks, bye. Man.